Thanks for tuning in to Big Money in the 805. I'm Michael Anderson, and today we have Richard Atmore on the program with us today. We've got a great show for you, and as always, we hope to make the next 30 minutes a very good investment of your time. Today's show is brought to you by Geico Local Office, car and homeowner's insurance for the 805. You could save up to 15%. Call Greg Mock of Geico Local Office, 805-487-7847. It's time for Big Money in the 805 with your host, Michael Anderson, bringing you a feature interview, a local nonprofit spotlight, and some financial wisdom. Get local and relevant information for the 805. For show notes and more information, go to maranatha.com. And now here's your host, Michael Anderson. Welcome to the program today. We're live streaming on Facebook. So we're very excited about that. It's the first time we're doing that. First, we've got to talk about this event on March 28th. Spence, the event on March 28th, this Wednesday, Tom Spence is going to be the MC. It's at the Ventura Harbor Comedy Club from 4 to 6 p.m. Uh, we're going to have Spencer Norin of Yo Social and then also Stacy Johnson, Chief Marketing Officer uh, of 130 staffing agencies. She's going to be there as well. But the whole topic for this event with Spence and, and Spencer and Stacy is social media, digital marketing, so we're having a speaker series. And so March 28th, 4 to 6 at the Ventura Herbert Comedy Club will be event number two. So pretty excited about this, Spence. Yes, we are. And our goal is to get uh, local business people together so they can excel in marketing. A lot of us are on Facebook, Instagram. We've done a lot of work on each medium, but we don't really know how to reach out to potential clients and get the information about our company. We've learned uh, through just trial and error on KVTA how to do it through Facebook. We've had huge success with that. But now to monetize it and to bring that possibility to everybody, but essentially keeping business local, that's why we have this event at the Ventura Harbor Comedy Club. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. Can't wait to see everybody there on Wednesday. To get your tickets, the event is also listed on Facebook and Eventbrite. You can just type in Speaker Series, Social Media, and Digital Marketing. And we've got a great feature interview today with Richard Atmore. So let's jump right in. Richard Atmore is the president of R.A. Atmore and Sons and the co-founder of Rancho Ventura Conservation Trust. For more than 35 years, Richard has provided stewardship over 7,000 acres of Ventura County's working landscapes. Mr. Atmore is a rancher and an environmentalist. He's also a range land open space manager. The Rancho Conservation Trust is committed to protecting the natural diversity, scenic open space, and agricultural vitality in Ventura County and the coastal areas. And he's joining us today. We're going to talk about the night of the Thomas fire, what you learned from that experience, and also land management practices. You've had some great things to say about that recently. Thank you for being on the program today. You bet, Mike. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. It's a real topical, relevant. And on this show, we always try and talk about relevant issues, informing and educating the public. And I think today that's what we're trying to bring. And I, I want to start with this question first, if we can. So let's talk about the history of the land that you manage, these 7,000 acres. What's the backstory that you can share for our listeners? You know what? Back in 1979, I got a job working in the ranch above the city of Ventura for Heraclio Esparza, a cattle rancher that had been up there for 55 years before I came along. And, uh, you know, I'm, I was so proud to be able to work for him and, and learn the stewardship of the land and taking care of the habitat and the open space, running cattle on the land to provide that management and stewardship that the land needed to survive after, you know, it's, it was in ranching for 225 years so far. So it was really important to, to follow through in their footsteps and everything they taught me. 
I think the most caveat thing was that you have to take care of the land. And if you want to make a living off the land, you need to take care of it first. You need to do what's right for the land, the habitat, the environment. We run a holistic management practice, and that's all what attracted me to, to working there in the beginning. And, and things just kind of move forward from there. Well, that's very interesting. And I know there's something we want to talk about with how you do take care of the land. And specifically, it's this idea of uh, rotational grazing. I know you've utilized that. And just to mention a few of the benefits, the rotational grazing, it includes providing a forage crop. It helps produce beef. It controls invasive plants and improves the water quality. Talk to us about rotational grazing. You bet. We like to use holistic management practices, and we use high-intensity, short-duration grazing modes so that we can mimic what animals did, migratory animals did, hundreds or even thousands of years ago on the land to help with that stewardship practice. And we do that by cross-fencing land and moving cattle from pasture to pasture. We have 16 different pastures on the 7,000 acres that we steward above the city of Ventura. We run that cattle in that pasture till it gets down to like 25 or 30% residual dry matter, and then we move the cattle to the next pasture and then to the next pasture. And we graze the pasture for two years and let it rest for one so we can build up that seed bank because once again, it's all about taking care of that land. We are basically farmers. So we take care of native and naturalized grasses in those hillsides to provide a forage crop that we can feed to cattle and produce beef. And at the same time, providing this stewardship that increases wildlife carrying capacity and native habitat. And actually we've been successful in increasing the amount of native plants that we have on the land. And at the same time, that management helps protect our urban neighbors from the catastrophic effects of wildfire. And I think a lot of the areas we grazed and manage above Midtown Ventura did very well in the Thomas fires compared to some adjacent pastures that haven't been managed or grazed for the last 20 or 30 years, where Ondolando and Clearpoint had a lot of problems in the fire and there was a lot of loss of homes and, and tragedy. up. Let's talk about the fire. I mean, it, it definitely devastated us all. You were obviously there and, and with the ranch. Talk to us about the night of December 4th, 2017. The Thomas fire came and hit our whole town, but it hit your ranch. Tell us about that night. You know, Mike, I'll be honest with you. I've been through a lot on that ranch over all these years. I've participated in a lot of prescribed burns. I've been through some wildfires before, but I've never seen anything like what occurred on December 4th of last year. And we got some calls from our neighbors. We heard it on the news. The Thomas fire had started over by Santa Paula. Um, we thought we had several hours left to go. We got a call from our neighbor in Aliso Canyon, said, hey, Rich, the fire just came over into Aliso Canyon. It's probably going to be to you guys in a couple of hours. We already were preparing ourselves for what was going to happen. We were moving horses to safe places. We were moving equipment out to open areas. We were kind of getting things buttoned up. And where we thought we had two hours left to go, we actually had about 14 minutes. And when I looked behind me, I could see the prevailing ridge about a mile and a half to the back. I could see a glow coming towards us. And then all of a sudden in the canyon below us, it spot fired miles out ahead of the main fire. And when I saw the fire come over the prevailing ridge line in the back, it came down the canyon kind of like a firestorm. It was like a tornado of fire. It was spinning down the canyon and it took about three minutes to cover that mile and a half. And all of a sudden our whole lot was on fire at one time. We just finished building a new home. 
we completed it like five weeks before we before the fire and just had moved in and it's one time 500 bales of hay on one side of the lot caught on fire a barn on the other side caught on fire there was backhoes equipments and trucks on fire we're busy trying to defend this new house and some of our equipment and most particularly our livestock and our horses the best of our ability and everything came on us so fast i think our entire ranch burned in less than 45 minutes and that's seven thousand acres that fire was traveling at a rate of one acre per minute mm. and it just was absolutely eating up the countryside to be honest with you i think it was more like one acre per second that's the stat that i had heard. yeah one acre per second and and to us we saw every single bit of that and we were successful at saving our office and our house but we lost a couple of barns one barn that was built in the early 1900s that we lost but and we had some casualties with the livestock but Overall, we fared pretty well. We only lost about 20 cows at 160. All our horses were safe. Like I said, we did lose some structures, but overall, we fared okay because we did our weed abatement. We had managed the land around our infrastructure, but it, it was devastating. It was absolutely positively a devastating mm. night. It's something I'll never forget in my last 20 to 40 years of life on this earth is that fire and the sound of it. Yeah. And the look in my family's face, my wife, Bonnie, stood there and fought the fire with us. My children stayed there and fought the fire and three of our employees. And without that help, we would have lost our house for sure and a lot more. So we're fortunate for what we saved, but what we lost and what we went through was absolutely devastating. And I think uh, those stories really hit close to home. And I think a lot of us can relate in our own stories, I think we all have a story. I mean, it's remarkable what you guys were able to do. And you mentioned one thing I want to ask you about, which was prescribed burns. Can you talk to us just a little bit about your thoughts on prescribed burns? You know, I've been working on the prescribed burn program pretty much my whole professional career since my 20s. And, you know, there was a period of time from about 1960 to 1988 where we weren't allowed to burn and the state had come up with policies with the Air Pollution Control District and the Air Resource Board to where ranchers were no longer able to burn the land because of you know air quality standards. But then after 25 years of not managing land, all of a sudden we had wildfires and we lost communities like Oakland. We had those huge fires up there. And I think the state kind of realized the errors of their way and that we actually needed to manage vegetation as well as protect air quality. And it wasn't a matter of if a wildfire was going to come again, it was really when it was going to come. And so managing land, most particularly in and about our urban interface, is one of the things that just kind of slipped through the cracks. And that's why fuel loads built up to the point to where it became dangerous in and about the city of Ventura. We've had a lot of wildfires, but never these kind of losses. We lost over 500 houses in the city of Ventura. And a lot of it was because that controlled burn program wasn't able to take place. And in 2010, we worked together with the Farm Bureau and the Cattlemen's Association, Cal Fire, and the Ventura County Fire Protection District. We came up with a five-year burn plan and a community wildfire protection plan that included managing vegetation in and about our urban interfaces, our assets at risk, which is basically our communities, our yeah. homes, our infrastructure, where we live, you know, power lines, everything else involved. There were so many constraints involved in the process that although in 2010 we had a five-year burn plan that everybody signed off on, including our county board of supervisors, we only completed 2% of that goal because of regulatory constraints. Yeah. And those are some of the issues that looking forward in the future we need to work on because like I said, once again, this, this potential can happen again 40 years from now. So are we going to let the same thing happen again? Because I think it was pretty devastating for the community of Ventura. 
what the result was of not managing the land the way that we wanted to as farmers and ranchers and what we were constrained to through regulatory constraints. I think that's well said. And I think that's extremely interesting. I mean, to think about if the weather conditions are moist and there's no wind and you're able to kind of prescribe a burn, it's not going to have near the impact that we saw when the conditions were suboptimal and terrible for the fire that we had with wind, with the moisture not being in the air. And we could probably talk about this all day. I have a few other things I want to ask you about. Since the fire, what have you been up to? How have things been going since the fire hit. You know, the day after the fire really was eye-opening, and we we had to go out in about our pastures and look at the animals and the wildlife that had suffered losses during all this. And our most important thing about the ranch and the, and the land is, once like I told you earlier, was how we take care of everything. And the wildlife carrying capacity is one of the ways we judge how successful we've been at taking care of the land. And we had such a successful run at improving the wildlife carrying capacity on the land and we had we were managing for more deer and that was keeping the lions happy so then they stayed off of the cattle and everything was working in a holistic manner and then this fire of december 4th and december 5th just pretty much changed everything along those lines and so we've been busy looking at all the fences we have miles and miles of fences we have 33 miles of fences on that ranch between perimeter fences and cross fences 15 miles of those kind of estimated so far have to be replaced and that'll take years to get done and that's what facilitates that holistic management we talked about earlier and then when you look at the value of all those oak trees and everything we lost along those lines. How do you put a value on a 200-year-old oak tree? And we lost hundreds of those kind of trees. Mm. We lost trees that are 100 years old. We lost reoccurring trees. We had put in oak woodlands restoration projects that burned up. Not just us, Ojai Valley Land Conservancy, our land trust that we formed there on the ranch, and I know we'll get into that here in another minute. The losses to the environment, the habitat, the natural resources are the long-staying part of the deal. The cattle, those were temporary losses. The fences, we can fix those, but I can't fix a 200-year-old oak tree. Let's talk about the Rancho Conservation Trust. So you and your wife, Bonnie, you founded this Rancho Ventura Conservation Trust. And I know the goal is to provide this iconic land that you guys are stewards for, but to provide it into perpetuity. What is the Conservation Trust? A lot of people may not know. And how does that help sustain it into perpetuity? Look, the Lloyd family bought the majority of land above the city of Ventura in 1885. They've been great stewards of the land, but they've been looking to divest themselves of the property up there in the hillsides for quite a few years. And they'd looked at several development measures. At one point in time, they tried Measure A to do some clustered housing and then give the land to the, to the community to use as open space, and that didn't fly. So they reeled back and looked how it was currently entitled, and they were selling the land in 160-acre parcels. And that land would have been divided up in 10 different 160-acre parcels. And we went to them and said, look, you know, we've been out here take, helping you take care of this land all these years. Is there any way that we could look at forming a conservation entity that would protect the land, keep it in agriculture, share it with the community, bring kids out and teach them that their food really didn't, wasn't produced by Vons, it was just distributed by Vons, and that their food was produced by a rancher and a farmer and all the things they have to do to continue to ranch and farm. And if we could bring all these school kids out there and teach them that, one day those kids are gonna be policymakers, they're gonna be voters, they're gonna be part of our community. And there's never been a better time to approach somebody as when they're young before they all get, they get to know everything. That was one of the caveats we put before Lloyd to start this conservation trust. So that's how the Rancho Ventura Conservation Trust was formed and started. And Lloyd agreed with that principle. 
and they donated 860 acres flat out to the Rancho Ventura Conservation Trust that's protecting a perpetuity from development and made us a great deal on, on purchasing the remaining 752 acres. We plan to close that in the next six to eight months. And then 1,640 acres will be in permanent open space, shared with the community, provide wildlife habitat in perpetuity, and all kinds of ecotourism opportunities, hiking opportunities, opportunities for learning and inspiration about taking care of open space and how important it is to keep agriculture alive. So that's why we did it. Because, you know, out there taking care of all that land and ranching and farming in this county, and we know a lot of ranchers and farmers, it's not just what we do. It's actually who we are. Mm-hmm. And that is why we formed the Rancho Ventura Conservation Trust. That's why the people that owned it from since 1885 decided they would donate the land to this cause. And I think the community, we've already taken over 700 people up to two trees, even despite the fire getting in the way for a few months. But we're back on with our hiking series and public access um, opportunities. And we're, we're off to the races. We're working with the, the California Wildlife Conservation Board, the Trust for Public Land. We're acquiring more funds to purchase more open space above the city of Ventura because we think it needs to be protected. We think it needs to stay in agriculture. And most importantly, we think it needs to provide inspiration and opportunities for the community to get out and enjoy the open space and appreciate what farmers, ranchers, open space, and wildlife habitat is all about. Boy, that's well said. And there's two assets that I love that, you, that you're involved with up there. And one of them, you mentioned the two trees. So two trees is part of the Rancho Conservation Trust, correct? And, and then the other one I want to ask you about is the Foothill Little League uh, baseball fields. Absolutely. Two great questions. (laughs) You know, first of all, the two trees were planted in 1898 by Mr. Sexton. And he was a nurseryman. He wanted to mark the boundary of his property lines. There's a long history before about two trees. We can kind of go on and on forever. But in 1940, some vandals cut down. It started with 13 trees. And then it went down to five trees for quite a long time after a wildfire shortly after the trees were planted. In 1940, some vandals cut down some trees and some were replaced. 1950, some more trees were cut down, and we kind of ended up with two trees, three trees for about 1960 for a couple of years. And then after that, one of those trees died and fell down, and we had two trees for quite a long time. And so one of the trees died a couple of years back, and on Earth Day of last year, we replanted one of the trees. And now the other tree has perished just old age. The fire was kind of the last straw on it, so we're making plans right now to replace the other tree. So we want to keep it two trees in perpetuity because I think it's kind of an iconic landmark in our town. I think everybody loves, appreciates, and respects two it trees, is. and we're going to keep it alive. It's great what you're doing up there. It's fa- I used to hike up there illegally. Luckily, I never got shot with like a salt pistol or something like that. There were stories. but uh, So tell us about Foothill Little League. First of all, those were all just stories. <laughs> but Foothill Little League, you know, we're really proud. Lloyd made a deal with uh, Foothill Little League, came to them quite a few years back. I believe it was back in the 60s and, and wanted to form another Little League group in Ventura. So Lloyd made him a deal to build some fields back on their part of the property, and the city made a deal they could put a couple more ball fields on their part of the property. And all those years, Lloyd donated the back parking lot and parts of the ball fields and the back ball field to the Foothill Little League group for a dollar a year. So we thought it was important to keep kids playing ball. I know that my kids played ball there. I know that I coached baseball there. I know it's a really important part of our community. And that's what we're all about with the Rancho Ventura Conservation Trust is community, community, community. And so 
we want to keep kids playing ball. We made the same deal. We're going to rent it to them for that dollar a year just to keep them on the up and up. And No inflation, huh? I as like long that. as we're there, <laughs> kids are going to be playing baseball at the Foothill Little League Fields for a dollar a year, and I can guarantee that. That's fantastic. Well, as we close, one last question. How can someone get involved with the Rancho Ventura Conservation Trust? What is a way they can do that, and what, what can you share? You know, we really can use some help. It's a big job taking care of building these trails, and we have a lot of things to do. We have a lot more plans in the future for restoration of oak woodlands and wildlife habitat and hikes and um, mindful meditation walks and all kinds of things that the group has been coming forward with. We do need volunteers. And so one of the ways you can help or stay abreast of what we're doing is to go to our Facebook page. We keep a really active Facebook page. And that's, that's kind of like the media of the future, you know? I mean, uh, besides radio, of course. <laughs> but, uh, but at any rate, um, you can go to our Facebook page at Rancho Ventura Conservation Trust, and you can stay abreast of when our hikes are, what you're doing, what volunteer opportunities are. You can go to our website at RanchoVenturaConservation.com. So, or is it Ventura Conservation? Actually, it's VenturaConservation.com. And so you can go to our website there and see a lot of our opportunities, what we have going. You know, one of the cool things is if you go to our, our Facebook page, one of the ways we gauge our success on wildlife habitat is by putting trail cameras by all the water troughs that we develop out in the hills. And so all the wildlife comes in there to take advantage of the fresh water. And so I put weekly photographs of deer, mountain lions, quail, bobcats, getting water out of the troughs that we provide, not just for the grazing, but for the wildlife too. And so if you follow our Facebook page, if you go to, to our website, you're going to find out how you can get involved, how you can help us, how you can be part of the team. And that's what we want. We want everybody to be involved, be part of the team, or be part of the process. Our feature interview today is with Richard Atmore from the Rancho Conservation Trust. And to learn more, you can visit them online at VenturaConservation.com. And to learn more about environmental contracting that uh, Richard does, his team is Atmore. Com. Richard, thank you so much for being on the program today. I really appreciate it. You bet, Mike. It's such a pleasure to be here, and thank you for having me. We'll be right back with our nonprofit spotlight in just a moment. Now it's time for the nonprofit spotlight with your host, Michael Anderson, on Big Money in the 805. And we're back with our nonprofit spotlight. Each week we have a local nonprofit doing good work in our community and we spotlight them on the show. Today's nonprofit spotlight is brought to you by Era Energy, powered by safety, innovation, and community. We help keep California moving forward. Today we're talking with Ed Summers. Ed is an advisory member at Venture High School for the Robotics Program. He's been very involved with them. And thank you for being on the program today, Ed. Certainly, Mike. It's uh, great to be here and talk about a endeavor that I am very passionate about. You've been very involved. It's been awesome. Well, first thing is, what is robotics? And what is the robotics team at Ventura High School? What are they doing? To start with the bigger question, robotics is a program that really emphasizes STEM education, science, technology, engineering, and math. And about six years ago, the program started as just a club in Ventura. And Velma Lomax, who has been a champion, has been involved for all of the six years. And we have grown this program, and it's actually all of the high schools. The class is held at Ventura High School, but is open to every uh, high school student who has an interest from all of the five high schools. So we really have a large audience to draw from. And the program is based on the FIRST Inspires program. And FIRST is a, a worldwide, and, and literally over 100 countries have students who participate 
and each year the challenge is, is they get a game that they have to to play with uh, robots and once it's released in early January the students in each of the programs and clubs have six weeks that they have to design manufacture wire electronically and program these robots to complete tasks remotely in competitions and this year for instance and we're really excited Ventura is hosting for our fourth time a Ventura Regional that's coming up on March 29th 30th and 31st 42 teams, and we actually have teams from around the world. Three teams from mainland China will be in Ventura. Wow. A team from Turkey, a team from Switzerland. Fantastic. And these students, it's a class. They, they learn. They, they build robots. And, and the fun thing is, while they're building these robots, they're having a lot of fun, and they forget they're learning. It's project-based learning. I mean, yes. This is a great way to Most learn Most definitely. Now. It's a buzzword in education for sure. Talk to us about what the students are actually learning and how that's applicable maybe in work or in life. Can you highlight that a little bit, what you're seeing? One of the things that I really appreciate about the program, and and I'll say when I introduce the the students, they're uh, giving me a reason to sleep at night because I know we're going to be in good shape. And they are really learning. They're learning the project, as you said. They're learning about electronics, about computer programming. They actually have to design and fabricate the robotics parts, CNC machine, they use lathes. These students are learning a lot of skills that are going to make them career ready when they decide to go into a technical field, a four-year university in a a science or engineering program, or get another skill that they're going to use in, I'll just think of an example, and that's our auto dealers. And if you take your car in anymore, you're not taking it in to be serviced by a mechanic. There's a lot of computer programs in it. There's a lot of electronics. And they have to have a base of students and future employees who are knowledgeable in those areas. And we fill all of those needs. That's great. You know, it's interesting. We talk on this program sometimes about sports and how sports Mm -hmm. are a microcosm for life. Well, some students don't like sports, but they may like doing robotics or other types of learning on these machines. And in a competition type format like this, it lends itself some of those same things you learn from sports. So I think that's a really neat thing. And it's team building, it's communication, and they're learning. And that's one of the ways that I help them a lot. But they have to divide themselves into an electronic team, mechanical team, a programming team, and they have to work together in that team, fit in with what, what everybody else is doing, and get this robot ready in six weeks to compete on, and it's not really an exaggeration to say, an international stage. Well, First Power Up is the name of the event. It's taking place March 29th through March 31st, and it's going to be at Ventura College. So we would like to invite the community to come to this event. And is there anything else you'd like to share about that, Ed, before we close? It's very important. It's really seeing our next generation grow and how enthusiastic they are. I would say you can visit First Inspires and their website for the national program uh, we're on, and, and there's a link to the Ventura Regional. And we always want community members to participate, to support. And if you have a few hours, volunteer. So our guest today for the Nonprofit Spotlight is Ed Summers talking about the robotics program here in Ventura, Ventura Unified School District. To learn more online, the website is frcventuraregional.com. Ed, thank you so much for being on the program today. Thank you, Mike. We're on now with Tim Gallagher, and he'll be joining us for our What's in the News this week. Tim, are you there? I am here, Mike. That was nice to hear Ed. He's he's an old friend and a great guy. 
Wonderful. Well, this is our What's in the News segment, and we're talking with Tim Gallagher, the former editor of the Ventura County Star, CEO of the 2020 Network. Uh, Tim, what's in the news this week? Rain. We're wet, Mike. But a couple, <laughs> a couple, couple of things about rain that people probably need to bear in mind. You know, every time we have a few days of rain like this, and I got to say, first thing, our first responders, our school superintendents, everybody does a great job of prep in this area so that nobody gets hurt. Some people might say they overdo it. You don't need to cancel school, all this sort of thing. Hey, you know what? Better be safe than sorry, because we've had a number of tragedies in our community related to the rain. So let's let's be safe. But the key thing, Mike, is I don't want anybody to start thinking we're out of the woods. You know, we are in what is the seventh year of a prolonged drought in Southern California. Even with all the rain we've had, if you look at the rainfall totals around the county, where most of us are around six or seven inches, and, you know, average rainfall in this area is about 18. So this will be about the seventh year in a row that we've fallen short of what we usually get in rainfall. And so our aquifers are low. We're importing more water from the state water project. People still got to stay in that sort of drought mode, Mike. It's fascinating. You mentioned that and there's so much that we could talk about just that one thing. And it really is news, especially here, our Ventura County and West Ventura County area with Lake Casitas at a third full with yep. the groundwater issues that we have. I did see today the Freeman Diversion was actually being used, which I don't know when the last <laughs> time it was used, but uh, but it's very nice to see that being used. And for those that don't know, they take the water, the storm water, and they, they're able to divert that down into to the groundwater basins to recharge those aquifers. Right. And it's, it's fascinating. We have some of the most interesting and unusual geology anywhere in the world, but that water that comes down the Santa Clara River gets diverted, as you said, right there at Satakoy, and then that feeds the aquifers that go all the way out to the ocean there in uh, in Oxnard, Port Wenewe. Fascinating geology, and unlike a, and unlike any place else in the world. As the farmers always say to me, you know, if we could, we'd order a half inch of rain every Saturday for about six months, and that'd be just fine. Mother Nature <laughs> never cooperates, Mike. It never does. <laughs> Tim, before we close, is there anything else you'd like to add? I just think this is going to be a real uh, upcoming week. Have have the listeners pay attention to some of the housing issues that are going to be coming up in Thousand Oaks and in Ventura in these next few weeks. There's going to be some uh, pretty good decisions, important decisions being made by those councils as to how much more housing growth they allow into our county. You know, we've got some of the highest house prices and rents anywhere in Southern California, partly because we're just not building enough housing for this area. So these battles will be coming up. Keep your eye on that. And that's Tim Gallagher for our What's in the News segment. Tim, thank you so much. You can learn more about Tim, the2020network.com. To engage with the show, if you have a question for the mailbag, something you'd like to send in to us, you can always send an email to tom at kvta.com. And that does it for today's show here on Big Money in the 805. A special thanks to the team at Boyd & Associates providing home security for Southern California and also the team at Geico Local Office, Greg Mock and uh, his team there in Oxnard. If you have questions about the show or questions about your financial matters, you can always also contact me online at marinantha.com. That's M-A-R-A-N-A-N-T-H-A.com. Or leave a message on my answering service, which is 805-665-3767. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. Hi, this is Michael Anderson, Certified Financial Planner. I've dedicated the past 12 years to researching different investment ideas. There are no guarantees when investing. But with a little help, you can find the right approach. I have built AllocationLink.com specifically for you. AllocationLink.com is investment management made simple, smart, 
and low cost. AllocationLink.com can have your account set up in less than 10 minutes. Please visit AllocationLink.com to learn more. Or you can leave me a message at 805-665-3767. Do you ever question if your investments are right for you? Do you own any annuities, retirement accounts, or have other money you want help with? Have you ever wondered what your advisor is making or how they get paid? Get a free second opinion. Talk with Michael Anderson, Certified Financial Planner. Call his answering service today, 805-665-3767. Leave a message and get a call back immediately, 805-665-3767. 